That song, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford, if you don't know the, the, the story, and this is not part of the message, so we're going to add this onto whatever the message length is, so just buckle in. Uh, Horatio Spafford, um, he was uh, uh, lived in the, I believe, the 1800s, and uh, he was a, a evangelist, pastor, and uh, he was in America, and he had sent his family over to England, and on the way to England, the boat that his family was in uh, was, was sunk, and uh, he got a message back that his wife only survived. His three daughters, who had gone with him, had drowned in the ocean. He took a trip, sailed to England. He was going there. He sailed to England, and the captain of the ship that he was on when they got to the point where the ship had gone down, where his three daughters died, is where he wrote that song. It is well with my soul. And I can't, as a dad, I can't imagine standing over the place that my three daughters drowned, looking at God and saying, it's okay you're still on the throne. But Horatio Spafford did, and now, hundred and so years later, we're still singing it, praising God, rejoicing over the fact that it's well with my soul because he lives. So this morning, I wanted to, uh, there's a picture on the screen. Uh, I wanted to encourage you. Uh, so we're going to get to, uh, we've got a couple of pictures. Don't go to the next one yet. Got a couple of pictures. Uh, this, a couple of weeks ago, I told you all that uh, it was our 25th anniversary, we're go and so Rebecca and I went and celebrated our, our 25th anniversary, and while we were gone, I took this picture. So this is a fresh one. Uh, so this isn't something that I found on the internet. This is one that I actually took. I saw this with my own two eyes. And uh, we were sitting at the, uh, on, on the beach. It was at, obviously in the evening, and we, were, we went out to the, to the ocean to see the sunset. And uh, if you've never seen the sunset over the ocean, you've got to do it. It's, it is absolutely amazing. It's one of those things that when you, when you see it, you are in awe. And so we stood there, and, and you have to understand that as a, as a pastor, uh, you, we're never off duty, and so we're constantly seeing things and evaluating things. And this is, this is what caught my attention. I didn't take a picture of it, but I saw all of these people walking to the ocean shore at dark. I mean, it wasn't dark yet, but the sun was setting and all of these people are just, just hordes of people and they're putting towels out on the, on the seashore and they're sitting down and they're watching the direction of the ocean. But go to the next picture. A few minutes later, this is the scene that God painted uh, for us to see. And you stood there and you watched God create this masterpiece and it was just awe-inspiring. And I turned around and the, the sun is setting this way and I turned around and looked this way. My wife wasn't paying attention. She was looking at that and I was turning around looking at this. And what I saw was hordes of people who were stopped standing in awe of God 
and what he was doing. This morning, there are a lot of bad things going on in our world. But I don't want to focus on those this morning. What I want to focus on is that God is still on the throne. If you're, if you're wondering, is God in control? He absolutely is. All you have to do to wonder and to see and to get that question answered is to wake up before sunrise and see God bring the sun up. And then wait about 12 hours because God's going to do something amazing in 12 hours and he's going to set the sun and he's going to create this for us. And so this morning, if you're wondering if God is still in control of this crazy world, the answer out, oh, overwhelmingly is yes, God is in control. So no matter what's going on in your world today, it's okay. God's got it. I know. I was there. If he can do that every single day, then the problems and situations I'm going through are nothing for him. The world and the craziness that is happening is nothing for him. We don't have to worry today about what's going on because God is doing this every single day. Now, some of us don't get the luxury of living on the ocean. And so we don't always get to see that like that. But you know, from my house in Waterville, if I go out to the end of our neighborhood, there's a field and every single night over that field, you know what God does? That. But you know what it took for me to go to realize that God is still in control and that the world, the unsaved world, God is still calling out to them. God is still yelling to them in this magnificent way. I am still in control and I love you. God is still calling today. He's still reaching out. He's still drawing. And he said in his word that if men won't call out and cry out and, and proclaim his name, he said even nature itself will cry out and proclaim that there is a God in heaven that loves us and cares for us and is minutely interested in everything that you do. While we're on this trip, you can just leave that up for a few minutes because that's just a beautiful picture. So if you don't like looking at this, just look at that. While we were gone on our trip, it was supposed to rain every single day. And I'm not bragging on, on us. I just want you to know today that God is a good God. God is an awesome God and he loves us intimately. And he is worried and concerned about us individually, not just as a church as a whole, not just as a Christian world as a whole. God is intimately interested in you today. When we went on our trip, we looked at the weather every single day, rain all day long. And I said, God, could we just have one day without rain? We got there on Friday. Guess what? Saturday, not one drop of rain. And I'm like, God, did you have to put it at the beginning of the trip? Like, I should have been a little more specific. Specific. Could you, maybe at the, you know, a couple days. We got up the next day. No rain. Sunday, we got in, the church, in our car, walked out to our car. No rain. Got in the car, downpour. We drove to church, got to church, no rain. I'm like, now you're just showing off. <laughs> We went to dinner one night. We're walking around and it's like, it looks like it's supposed to. I mean, the weather is saying it's supposed, it's raining right now. And we're like, it is not raining right now. 
We go into the restaurant, sit down. I look outside. I go, honey, is that rain out there? And people are coming in from the restaurant just soaked. I'm like, man, we had good timing. We got up, paid our bill. We got up to leave. Guess what? No rain. I'm like, God, I don't know if you're just doing this for us. I don't think so. But I'm going to say that you are just showing off how good you are. And so this morning, I just want you to know that if you are wondering, is God good? Does God love you? Does God care about you? Is God interested in you? The answer is out overwhelmingly, yes, he is. And he wants to love you and he wants to care for you and he wants to show off for you. And that's why he does this stuff. That's why he does the things that he does because when we wake up in the morning and we see how good God is, when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground and you get up and you stretch and you're like, man, that hurts, but God is good. We ought to rejoice every single day, all day long, the goodness of God. And I can't wait because I'm already excited for the end of this message because we're going to sing that song again. As our response to God this morning, we're just going to stand and we're going to let ourselves go and we're going to raise our hands. I'm telling you what you're going to do. You're going to raise your hands and you're going to say, I love the goodness of God. It is awesome to see what God is doing. And if we just carefully look, when the world is telling us everything is blowing up, God is saying to you, I am in control. I've got this. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about who's in office and who's mayor and who's governor and who's president. Don't worry about any of those things. Do what you're supposed to do because I am still in control. And so this morning, if you came in here and you are down and you are confused, and you are wondering, what is God doing in your life? Let me tell you, he is in control. And you ought to just stand and rejoice and praise God that he's got it. Because you know what? I couldn't do that. You know what it would look like if I tried to do that? A three-year-old. Like, it would look like a three-year-old tried to do the sky. And you'd like, that doesn't even match. God has got it this morning. And I can't wait because today I just want to encourage you. Yes, there are problems and things going on in our world. There are situations that we wonder, does God have it? The answer is yes. And we ought to know that God's got it. So this morning, I just want to encourage you. I just want you to come into this place. It's a little gray outside. It's rainy. It may have been raining when you came in, but it's not raining in here. It's not gray in here. God is in control. We've been lifting him up. We've been praising him. God has got it this morning. And I just want to encourage you and let you know that God is calling to you. If you are unsaved today, if you walked in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He is calling to you every single night when you see that sky and you see what God is doing. God is calling out to you and He's saying to you, I love you. Come to me. And this morning, look, look with me. We're, we're not going to be in Romans chapter number one, but just look with me at Romans chapter number one. I want you to see this because it's so important. Romans chapter number one. Romans one in verse number, starting in verse number 18. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that they, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, the God who we cannot see, the invisible God, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and God's head. So so that they are without excuse. This right here, this picture that you see is God, the invisible God that we cannot see, revealing himself in a visible form that we can see and we can know that God is real and he loves us. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I don't even know if God exists. He does. And he's calling out to you. He is screaming out to you and the world the world, I stood there and I watched them as they stood on the beach and they stared at the sunset, taking pictures of the beauty that God was doing right in front of them. They stopped and they stood in awe of God. God is calling out to you today. If you're unsaved, if you have not started a relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the day to do that. He is calling you. He is letting you know he is here and he wants you. We're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter number 14 this morning. I was a little nervous when Walter began to pray, preach, and he opened, he started reading 1 Samuel. I said, oh Lord, please don't let him go to 1 Samuel 14 because his will be better than mine. <laughs> and he went to 1 Samuel 17 and I said, thank you, Jesus. Again, just revealing yourself as real in my life. So 1 Samuel chapter 14, this is a great story. It's an account of Jonathan and Saul. And this account is, is it, it needs, it, I want it to be encouraging you, to you today. And there's a word that I want you to, to remember today. And that word is perhaps, perhaps. Can you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three, perhaps, perhaps. Have you ever used that word, perhaps? Well, can I do that? Perhaps. Maybe you didn't say it in that word. Maybe you said, well, maybe. That's perhaps. Can we go? Perhaps. Maybe. Can I do? Perhaps. And there is this word that is in this text today. It's not in that. It's not that word, but it, it says that. It says perhaps. And we're going to look at that. But this morning, I want you to see, number one, that God is calling out to the unsaved. As we've just talked about, God is calling out to the unsaved and he is telling them that I am real, I am here, and I love you, and I've given my son for you. He's calling out to the unsaved. We're going to read verses 1 through 15, so if you'll follow along with me. Verse number 1 of chapter 14 says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migrant. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah the son of Ahiatab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing it in ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. 
the forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other one southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. If you are following with me and not just glazing over this morning, you will see that it may be is where I get perhaps. It may be. Perhaps. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come unto you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up unto us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed upon his hands and upon his feet and, upon his, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And the first slaughter with which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within as it were a half acre of land which, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host in the field and among the people and the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled and the earth quaked. So it was very great. This morning, there's just three things that I want to point out to you in this passage that I hope will be an encouragement and a help to you to understand that as we go through life, and it's amazing how God works, all through the song service, through what Walter said, almost is preaching the message that I'm, that I'm going to give you here in the next few minutes. It's amazing how God just works things together. Jacob gave me the schedule of the things that he was good, the, the, the worship service. And I said, man, I'm so glad you're singing that song because I was going to ask you to do it, but I just hadn't gotten to him. God already worked that out. Walter gets up and he's going to highlight something that I, that I want to say this morning. God just works it out. And it's amazing that as we pay attention to the little things in our life, we see God working every single day. We don't have to worry about, is God working? I'm going to say that over and over again this morning because I need you to understand. I need me to understand. I have to remind myself that God is constantly working. And I just have to be faithful to look and see how God is working. It's not that he's not. He is. I just have to be faithful. And so this morning, I want you to see, number one, God is calling out to the Christian to have faith when it seems impossible. Verse number and between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Do you ever find yourself in a position where you are between two difficult situations? Now, let me, uh, can we go to that next picture? Because this, this is a picture of that area. This is not the two rock Faces, but this is a picture of the area that Jonathan and Saul were in and the Philistines were in. And so sometimes in Scripture, we get this idea that uh, what does this look like? But this is the valley that they were in. 
And you can see that the sharp ledges that are on each side, and they're not very far away. And so Saul and Jonathan were on one side, and the Philistines were on the other side. But to go down the mountain, across, and then back up would take some work. And so they're not very far away, but they are still close enough because we see through this passage that later on in chapter number 14, starting in verse 16, Saul hears and sees the things that are going on in the Philistine camp. They're not very far away. He can see what's going on, and he says that they are scattered, that there's, that there's war going on in there. Count our men, see who's gone. He didn't even know Jonathan was gone. And so Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go down, let's sneak down, we'll walk across the the river that's there, and we will climb up the other side to find out if God has something for us over there. But Jonathan, if you look in verse number four again, that phrase, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Sometimes it seems that we are in an impossible situation. And the reason that we are in an impossible situation is because God wants us to look for him. Do you know that we usually don't look for God when we can handle what's going on in our life? If it's easy, I got it. God, I don't need, I don't need you. I mean, I, it's not that I don't need you. It's just that I don't need you right now. Like, I I need you there so that when something bad happens, I can call you. And so sometimes God allows us to go through these situations where we look at it and we go, that's impossible and that's impossible. The only way through is to the enemy. And God, what are you doing? I don't know how to get out of this. I don't have the solution. I don't have the answer. And God's saying, good, because you're going to look to me. And God wants us in these difficult situations to look to him. And so today, if you are in a difficult situation, are you looking to God? And if you're not, are you looking to God? And we ought to always keep our eyes on our Savior because he is leading and guiding and directing us. But I want you to see number two here. God is calling the Christian to live in the perhaps. If you look at verse number six. And Jonathan said unto the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be perhaps that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. God is wanting us to live in the perhaps. What perhaps are you living in your life today? Or is everything secure? If you are constantly living in, well, I've got everything settled, everything secure, and I'm good. I want to challenge you this morning to get out into the perhaps. Get out into that unknown where God has to work, where God, where you put it on the altar and you say, God, I'm giving this to you because I don't have the solution. I don't have the answer. I don't know the way out, but perhaps you can do something in this. And when we give that to God, we allow him to step in. Now, I've got this quote that I wanted to give to you. If we go where we know and do what we are certain will succeed, we remove our need for God. Let me read that one more time. If we go where we know and do what we are certain will succeed, we remove our need for God. And I don't think there's anybody here this morning who would say, I don't want God involved in my life. But how many times do we take steps that we know will succeed? And God is saying, I want you to step out into the perhaps. 
Jonathan and his armor bearer to understand this story. Let's back up just a little bit into chapter number 13. The Philistines were over, were ruling over the Israelites. Saul had recently been crowned king of Israel. And he was now coming out and beginning his battles to the Philippines, the Philippines, Philistines. Philippines weren't there yet. The Philistines, battling the Philistines. Uh, I'm adding to scripture now, no. And this was the second battle that they, were, that they were facing. And he had a lot of men, but those men had left him and he was left with 600. But Jonathan, he did not know the New Testament, but Jonathan was a Romans 8.31 Christian. He understood that if God is for me, who can be against me? He didn't have that verse yet, but before that verse was written, Jonathan lived a life that demonstrated that if God is for me, who will be against me? And if God is, if God is for me, I don't care who's against me because me and God, perhaps we will see something done. You see, Jonathan understood and he remembered when he said, God can save by many or by few. He understood and he remembered Gideon. Do you remember the story of Gideon? Gideon, God said, Gideon, I want to use you to lead my people out. And Gideon said, but I don't have the qualifications. He said, don't worry about it. He said, but my family is the least. Don't worry about that. He said, but I don't, don't worry about it. He said, let's gather some men. And he gathered a huge army and God said, nope, let's, let's send them home. Let's send them home. Let's send them home. Oh, we got 300 left. That's perfect. But God, right. But God. And Gideon led that army and defeated the enemy. Jonathan remembered Gideon. There were stories that Jonathan would go back to as he remembered Moses leading the children of Israel out to the Red Sea when there was no way across all of a sudden but God. And this morning, I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you that the situation that we are in as a country, the situation that you are in as a family, the situation that you are in in your job, no matter what the situation, but God. Perhaps God is using you, putting you in a tight spot to lead you through so that you can see God work in your life. And you ought to be excited about the fact that when you come to a situation that you're like, I do not know how to get out of that, you ought to get ready. It ought to just fire you up that when you see something that you're like, man, there is no way out of this. This is going to be awesome. Why? Because God's going to do something. It's going to rain all six days that we're on vacation. God, let me just part that for you. Man, it's awesome. Would it have been a great trip if it would have rained all six days? Yes. Was it better when God stepped in and did something for us? And I don't know if God did it for me, but I'm claiming it. I like it when God does stuff for me. And I'll claim your stuff too. Maybe somebody else was praying down there, Lord, help it not to rain. And I'm like, that's me. It is awesome when we get into a tight spot and God leads us through to a place where we say, perhaps God wants to do something. If you look, at, look with me at verse number uh, eight, 
Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come unto you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. The third thing this morning, God is not calling Christians to die for him. He is calling you to live for him. As we were traveling, we don't usually check baggage. I'm too cheap. But for our 25th anniversary, I thought I'll let her check her bag. Yeah. Big spender. So we checked our bags and we didn't carry anything through the airport. It was so nice. We went down after, after uh, getting to the airport in, in Florida. We went down to the baggage claim and we're standing there. And, and I'm watching all, I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's like this game. Like if you've ever flown, checked a bag, it's, it's a contest. Like, ooh, I got my bag first. Uh, and, and so you're watching these bags come out and you're like, where is my bag? And so we're standing there, and it, it told us what carousel to go to. So we're standing there at the carousel, and these bags are coming out. And, you know, it's like a surprise. You know, I feel like a dog every time a bag comes up. Like, oh, nope, nope, that was that. Nope. And then you see one that kind of looks like yours, and somebody else grabs it. And you're like, hey, hey, head. Oh, wait, never mind. You're good. So I'm watching these bags come out, and they're going around this thing. And then you, then you start seeing bags that have come around once. They're coming around twice. And you're like, where's my bag? Like, they've lost it. Now I have no. And so we're standing there, and all these bags are going, and all of a sudden it stops. And we're like, there's no baggage. And the, and the lady next to me goes, oh, we're st she was, uh, it, wasn't, it was somebody that was on the airplane with us. Sometimes you should look for your own self rather than following other people. So we're standing at the wrong carousel uh, <laughs> watching other people's baggage come through. So we decided to go over to the right carousel, and the lady over there, I guess our entire plane had stood at the wrong carousel because the lady that worked for the airlines was now taking off the luggage that had been around like 12 times, setting it in the middle of the floor. So we finally get our, get our baggage off, and it hit me. I am just like everybody else. When we, when we scheduled this trip, I thought through all of my most precious belongings that I wanted to take and I put it in this bag and I put it on there and I put it on the plane and I checked it and I got rid of my baggage for a few moments and I felt relieved, but I had to stand there and I had to wait for my baggage to come back and then I had to pick up all of my stuff again. But as I stood there and watched, I saw a man who when you fly and you check a bag, usually nowadays you do a hard side suitcase. Well, this man that was there, this must have been an antique handed down from generations, but he had this cloth, red plaid cloth bag. Like I've never seen anything like it. And he picked it up and looked at it, pulled out his check bag ticket and that one. And I'm like, seriously? There is nobody in the world that has a bag like yours. Why are you even checking to see if that is your bag? That is your bag. Like, just own it. Like, don't, like, oh, my. He, he picked it up. And I thought, you know what? I've never seen anybody 
with my bag. Like, I bought my bag at Walmart. Like, there ought to be 100,000 people with my bag. But nobody, I've never seen anybody with my bag. And we, Rebecca's bag is very familiar, and so she picked one up that looked like hers and unzipped it and realized, oh, that's men's clothing. That is not mine. Put it back on there. That's not my baggage. That's somebody else's baggage. It may look like mine, but it's got different stuff inside. And I thought, we are all walking around with baggage. Every one of us. Sometimes we pretend that our bag is nicer than their bag. Our bag may have four wheels. Theirs only has two. I remember the days when it didn't have any wheels and you had to carry it. But all of, our, all of us, everybody there had a baggage that when we peeked in that other suitcase said, I don't want that. And this morning, if we could look at everybody here, everybody came in carrying a bag with baggage. And if we were able to open our baggage up, we would look at each other and go, I don't want your bag. I'm very happy with my bag. And God is saying to you that I am calling you to do something awesome with the baggage that you have. Don't be looking for somebody else's bag. Don't be thinking, man, if I only had that bag, if I only had their stuff, man, God, I could do something for you. God is saying, I have given you the baggage that I want you to have because you're going to use that baggage to do something for me. You see, Jonathan, in this passage, we see him as this courageous figure. If you go back to chapter 13, which we're not going to, but I would challenge you to, in, in a couple of minutes when you get out of here and you get home and you want to revisit this. In chapter 13, Saul was just told that the line of the kingdom is going to be taken from you. So Jonathan just found out that he was no longer going to be king. Jonathan should have said, if he was me and you, then I don't even care. It isn't my fight. Let the next guy that God wants to fight, let him do it. But Jonathan didn't say that. Jonathan said, this is the baggage that I have. This is the deal that I have to deal with. And I'm going to use this and I'm going to do something for God. And it's time as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we quit saying to the world around us, man, I would only do something. I would only proclaim God if I didn't have the baggage that I have. You ought to rejoice in the fact that you have the baggage that you have and you don't have the baggage that somebody else has. You ought to rejoice in the fact that God gave you the things that you need to do what he has called you to do. The difference between Saul and Jonathan is stark. If you go back and you look at verse number, we'll look at a couple more verses, we'll be done. If you look at verse number two. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah the son of Ahiatub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. What is Saul doing? Saul and Jonathan were facing the exact same battle. Saul was sitting under a tree 
when he should have been out fighting with the priest, that means God's glory has departed. Saul was sitting with the line of the priesthood that God said to Eli, the glory, Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed. And Saul was happy doing nothing with the religious leaders that God had removed the glory from. Jonathan, look at verse number 13. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his, upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. This was no easy task. Baggage and all, Jonathan's all in. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within as it were a half acre of land, which is a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among the people. And the garrison and the spoilers also trembled, and the earth quaked. So it was very great trembling. Jonathan said, I'm going to go see what God is doing, and I'm going to figure out how to become part of it. Saul, I'm happy sitting doing nothing. Jonathan, God's doing something, and I want to be part of it. And I'll do anything that I can, by many or by few. I want to be part of God's plan. This morning, if you're sitting here and you're saying, is God calling to me? Yes, absolutely. He is calling to you and he's saying, come to me. Bear my yoke for it is easy and my burden is light. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. If this morning, if you're unsaved and you are sitting here and you're saying, I would like to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. It is as easy as receiving the gift of eternal life that God gave us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin so that we could spend eternity with him. If we simply believe that Jesus came and died for me, and I trust that with not just my head, with my knowledge, but with my heart, I put my whole faith in him, I can receive that salvation, that gift of eternal life that Jesus offers. This morning, if you're sitting here and you're like Saul and you've been sitting on the sidelines, you've been complaining about the baggage that God has given you. And you're saying, you know what? Today, I might be in a tight spot, but I'm going to say, perhaps God. Or maybe you're like Jonathan and you're saying, man, I'm just going to keep after it. I'm just going to keep going after it. And we're going to see what God can do. In just a minute, for our response time, we're going to sing that song again. And I hope that as we sing, if you need to pray and you need to get somebody to pray with somebody, if you need to come forward, you're more than welcome to use this altar. It's open. If you want to pray in your seats, do that. If you just want to sing your heart out and say, God, you are so, so good. Would you do that with us this morning? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful for the opportunity we have to serve you. Lord, I pray that you will guide and direct every one of our hearts. Lord, lead us in the path that we should take. Lord, show us how good you are every day. And Lord, help us to look for your goodness. Lord, we praise you and thank you for what you're going to do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just briefly, is there someone this morning that would say, Pastor Chris, I have never received Jesus Christ as my Savior, but this morning I would like to. This morning I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I need Jesus to save me. 
and I want to put my faith and trust in him. Would you just slip your hand up? There's nobody looking around except me. Just slip your hand up and then put it back down. Okay. Father, you know our hearts and you know our desires. Lord, I pray that you will guide and direct us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? If you need to pray, pray. If you want to go with, get with somebody, get with somebody. If you want to come down to the altar, do it. But if not, would you stand and would you sing this song with us? fills me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God all my life you have been all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am paid I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid out, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am made 
I will see of the goodness of God. So all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. I hope this morning that you are grateful for God's goodness, that you are encouraged and strengthened. Yes, there's problems and difficulties. I understand that. But I hope this morning that you walk out of here encouraged that God is on your side. God loves you and intimately interested in your life. Well, thanks for coming this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we get when we come to this place. When we gather together and we sing your praises, God, you are a good God and your goodness comes running after us all of our life. And Lord, we thank you for what you're gonna do this week, what you're doing in us. We praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.